from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 119. Today's show is brought to you by Foot Cardigan, Mail Route, and Away. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Stephen Haggard. Hey. So we're doing hey. a uh, round robin, I think. It's round robin um, in regards to who's on the show at the moment. Yeah. Another uh, round robin. Just so the listeners know, we all had a terrible falling out. So uh, now only two of us can be on the show at one time. <laughs> yeah, well, three of us are on the show. We just argue. That's what, that's what happens. It's been a strange couple of weeks, but yep. we should all be back next time. Who knows, though, man? I'm moving house. Like, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to be over the next few weeks. Well, we'll see how it goes. That's the well, beauty of Connected. Help. It can happen with any two of us. Yep. We all stay connected. That's, that's, the, that's where it comes from. Connected. I'm just going to do follow-up now. Yeah, let's talk about the thing that just keeps coming up. Yeah, so this 10.9-inch iPad Pro is back in the news. And as a side note, I feel like we're the only ones talking about this, which I find interesting. I, I think we're the only ones that really care. Just don't care. I think the <laughs> two of you are the only people who really care. Um, so this new report uh, says that it will be bezel, nearly bezel-free, same overall footprint of the current 9.7-inch iPad Pro, which we have ta- been talking about. The interesting part is that it will be thicker. So, Apple, what you, what you do in Apple? That's not what they do. Yeah, so uh, this is interesting. This report comes from Mac Otakara um, yes. via Mac Rumors. And it seems that they're saying that both the refreshed iPads, so the current 9.7 um, will stay the same, but the new ones, maybe this 10.9 and the new 12.9, will both be thicker. Now, I assume that there's some kind of display technology thing going on here. But my thought is that there's stuff behind those bezels, and if you get rid of the bezels, especially the bottom oh, one, that stuff yeah. has to go somewhere else. That's a really so, good point. Mm-hmm. So they've got to like, uh, you know, like rearrange stuff a little bit. It's like packing a it's like packing a suitcase, right? And then you come back from San Francisco and you have more stuff, so you have yep. to rearrange it. Yeah, that's that's just what it's like to build an, an iPad. It's it's just basically just packing a suitcase. It's it's packing a suitcase, but with uh, A9s and battery. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's not a big deal, right? Like, the uh, they're saying it's going to be the thickness of the original iPad Air, which is still thin and, and light. And if it gets rid of the camera bump, like, I am oh, yeah. fine with it. I, ha- I hate the camera bump. That should happen, right? Yeah, I really dislike the camera bump on my 9.7-inch iPad Pro. Like, uh, even though it's more pronounced on the iPhone, the Plus, because it's, you know, elongated. I feel like I'm always smashing it into things on my iPad, and I really wish the back was flat. So if if they could do that, then thumbs up for me. Just put it in a Create case like me, Logitech Create case, and then you get a superior keyboard for backlight, and you never have to worry about the bump. It's also like the size of my laptop. <laughs> it does make it uh, basically the dimensions of a hardback biography. Yeah. But uh, it's fine. I wouldn't worry about it. One of the things that's new, I think, in this report, which just boggles my mind... Um, is that there is a 7.9-inch iPad Mini Pro, apparently, coming. I can't I can't get my head around this. I mean, I guess it means that it has pencil support, which would be kind of cool. Like I, I was telling you the other night, I, I we have an iPad Mini in the house. We may have a second one soon. But I always find myself drawn to the iPad Mini, like just as a around-the-house device. And I've thought about uh, several times about replacing my Kindle with it and... I don't know, but it's ridiculous. I'm not gray. Like, I don't need um, multiple iPads. But it's a, it's something that I think about because I really like that size for consumption. 
and for reading and for games and stuff. But I could see it being kind of cool with the pencil, right? Because you can kind of put that in a jacket pocket and like you have like a little digital notebook that you take around with you everywhere. So I'm not I'm not as down on that as I think you are. Okay, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I just have. It reminds me of The Incredibles, right? If all the iPads movie? are pro, are any of yes. them pro? Uh, it's a good point. I just think at this point, it's I don't know. There's something about that that I don't like. I feel like if it then it just becomes the iPad line, and then it loses some of the proness. Like I feel like the iPad Pro should be its own line of iPad, right? Like the MacBook Pro. Like, and then you have like special features, advanced features go to the pro line, but then they still have a regular line. Because what's going to happen is the regular line are just old iPad Pros. And that's just, that kind of just sucks. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't work. And then it just looks like, are they, are they actually making a pro iOS device or are they just trying to make iPads more expensive so the ASP goes up? Ding, ding, ding. And then, I, and then I'm not sure. And then I'm just not sure, but I am I am super excited for this other iPad. This this 10.9 inch with 9.7 footprint. I was I was filling out the notes document and reading this this article last night in bed on my 9.7 inch iPad Pro, and I was thinking if I just had more screen real estate on this, it would be perfect because I I prefer to use my 9.7 most of the time. But mm-hmm. I used a 12.9 when I've got something serious to do because I can benefit from the bigger screen. But if I could have a screen that kind of sits in the middle of those two, I might only need that one. Like for for the, I mean, I don't really need two iPads, right? Let's be serious about this. But I've gone over this a bunch of times. But like, I, th- I feel like I would be more than con- maybe potentially be more than content with just one of them. Uh, if I have more screen real estate, bigger screen, but in the same size, like in the same package, that's right. very appealing to me. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I went from the 12.9 and actually have gone back to the 9.7 because the the portability factor. But I have that same feeling of like the 9.7, like when you're multitasking, especially with a softer keyboard, it's like there's not a lot of space left. And something a little bit bigger would be nice. You know, I, I do have some questions. I would hope that Apple would treat this like they do the 12.9. Like if you build for the 12.9 and the bigger pro keyboard, that keyboard is on this one. So it's not a third target that developers can ignore. Yeah, I hope they can app. do something funky with the um, resolution. Like, you remember when the I think was it the iPad Mini where it was like, wow, it's like a regular iPad just all shrunk down. Like, I kind of hope they do something like that. Right, the same resolution is on the like the iPad Two, but uh, smaller. So it was a higher uh, density, but the same actual dimensions. Yeah, uh, I think they probably will do something like that just so they don't. I mean, iPad Pro, I mean, you know this, having a 12.9, there are still apps that don't support it. Like, what, a year later? Uh, that's that's not going to get any better if they have a third target. So my, my guess is that they will do something like this, where the 12.9 dimensions will be uh, downsized to the 10.9, and everything will just be a little tight, but, you know, it'll but be But then it will push fine. development for the larger, larger resolution, right? To get, like, so. the three-panel stuff. If If both of the iPads then have it, it might be like, oh, okay, we'll do it. That's my hope. I think so. Uh, so talking about iPads, uh, real quickly, I just wanted to point people to a new Studio Neat product. Studio Neat are friends of ours, uh, Tom and Dan, and they have a really cool keyboard case for the iPad, and it's unlike like the monstrosity of the Logitech. It's just a little fabric thing that you actually attach a Bluetooth Magic keyboard to, so the keyboard that like I'm sitting in front of right now at my iMac. 
and you can pair it with Bluetooth. And it's nice because it's not actually a case. It's like a stand that you put the iMac in or the you put the iPad in and then take it out when you don't need it. So unlike the the iPad smart keyboard, you know, that's always attached, this is kind of its own secondary thing. So you could have just your iPad and when you want to write, you could sit down and use this. Um, I had the pleasure of using a beta version of this, uh, like Jason Snell did. We, you all talked about it on Upgrade yesterday. Um, so if you type a lot on your iPad, but you find yourself wanting a keyboard that um, you know isn't really available to you yet, try this one because the Magic Keyboard is great, and this makes it a really nice little package to use with your tablet. So it's a it's a nice little product. Yeah, go check it out. Put a link in the show notes so you can go uh, pre-order one. Uh, I love yep. Tom and Dan, so buy their stuff. Talking about buying stuff, I mm-hmm. want to talk about a company that I really like. Who's stuff that I actually do buy, Foot Cardigan. Let me have, I have a few questions for you, dear listener. Do you want to be known as the best gift giver in the whole wide world? What about, have you ever had the desire to be vi- visited by the sock fairy? Is that something you ever wished for? Do you want your feet to be the envy of everyone you know? And do you want awesome socks delivered to your mailbox? If any of the answers to these questions is yes, then Foot Cardigan is here to make it happen. And quite frankly, you should at least say yes to one of those things. Foot Cardigan delivers fun socks every single month right to your doorstep. They ensure that your feet never have to be seen out in public in plain white socks ever again. Or black socks, whatever you prefer. And the best part, you don't have to choose what pair you get because every month, Foot Cardigan will surprise you with a brand new design, a brand new pair of socks right in the mail. And surprises are awesome, especially when they start at just $9 a month. Foot Cardigan socks are a fantastic holiday, birthday, or basically any day gift. You could treat yourself to a subscription if you want. That's what I did. I bought a Foot Cardigan subscription last year when Foot Cardigan sponsored. Um, And I get and have been a pair of socks in the mail every month. And I really do love them. They are my favorite socks because they're wacky and wild designs. I have, for example, a pair of gray socks that have fried eggs all over them. That's one of my favorite pairs that I have. I would never have thought to buy those pair of socks. I would never have thought to have seeked out a pair of fried egg socks. But now I'm super happy that I own them. Foot Cardigan has socks for men, women, and kids in a bunch of different styles. So if you maybe know somebody who's a no-show sock kind of person or they want a bit of luxury in their life, Foot Cardigan have got yours and their feet covered. Quite literally, in fact. Go to footcardigan.com right now and get 10% off your order with the coupon code world at checkout once again that is footcardigan.com the promo code world at checkout for 10% off any subscription thank you so much to Foot Cardigan for their support of this show and Relay FM uh, in case anybody hadn't noticed um, the two of us have become increasingly interested in YouTube that's, we have, uh, that's true we have our own YouTube channels we both publish uh, YouTube videos fairly frequently you should go and check them out. I will put links in the show notes to both of our YouTube channels if for some reason you have not subscribed to them. You totally should. Now, and I think that we are both fans of uh, superstar YouTuber Casey Neistat. I, I've been a big fan of Casey Neistat for a while. Me and Adina are still kind of going through all of his old vlog episodes. And I think it was last week he announced that he was ending his vlog um, mm-hmm. and that he wanted to work on new projects. Uh, didn't really give much away, and there was a good reason for that, because yesterday it was announced that Casey Neistat's company, Beam, which was a social video sharing app that he was a co-founder of, um, he 
they got bought by CNN. It's crazy. Which is a, a, a very interesting acquisition. Uh, Beam, the app itself and the service is being shut down. CNN does not want that. But they are using Casey Neistat um, and the team along with his co-founder, Matt Hackett. <laughs> great, great name. Hackett, it's a great so, name. It's a solid, you know, you really want your co-founder's last name to be Hackett. All the best co-founders <laughs> go by the name Hackett. <laughs> uh, they are going to be going to CNN along with a team of 12 people to create a new content production team. It's, apparently, it's going to be mostly autonomous from CNN. And CNN's done another thing like this recently. That I can't remember the name of it, but they, they had another kind of production company. Um, that was that they've started, which is basically just there to create more content. And they are doing yeah. this to effectively try and reach people that the current CNN programming does not reach. Yeah, um, their 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 previous effort just to stop the follow up is called Great Big Story, mm-hmm. okay. and it's like a this team that operates kind of independently of CNN. Uh, I find it. I find this super fascinating. Like Beam itself, I, maybe we should explain how the app worked. I don't think it was ever super popular, but the idea was that you would just take your phone and basically you'd like hold it to your chest or hold it to a surface, and it would instantly like share. Or was it like four seconds or six seconds of video? Yeah. There was no editing. The idea was to be really raw and like this is what I'm seeing. I'm just sharing it directly with the internet. Um. That's a really inter- interesting idea. It didn't really take off, I think, for a bunch of reasons that maybe we can get into. But the why I find it so interesting is CNN, along with a lot of other traditional media outlets, which it's, some people roll their eyes at calling CNN like a traditional outlet. It's only been around since the 80s. But, you know, these big, like, international news corporations have a growing void in their audience. And it's that audience that people like Casey and I stat have access to people who like we're on the older end of, right? Like, you know, you're in your late twenties, I'm 30. Like we're the, the oldest fringe of this group and people younger than us, millennials and whatever's behind millennials, those consumers as they, you know, they're not tuning into CNN, they're not reading the New York times and that's okay for now. But what happens when these people, you know, are, in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s, when they are the driving force of the economy more so than they are now. And if you have a brand that isn't reaching those people, that's a scary proposition, right? That, you know, right now, if you don't millennials pay attention to you, when they're ruling the world, that's going to be bad for you. And so it's it's a move on CNN's part to to work to, to reach that audience. And I think they'll be successful there. I think there are a lot of people that will follow you know, Casey and I said, people like him wherever they go. Surely there'll be people who think it's a sellout and that happens in all sorts of acquisitions. But like buying your way into a marketplace is a pretty old business trick, but it's one that can be effective. And it's something that, you know, company, you know, brands like CNN, uh, they have to do, right? It happens in Silicon Valley all the time. Look at Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Um, Facebook saw that Instagram is where a lot of people were. A lot of people who kind of thought Facebook was uncool. And so they just brought Instagram into the fold. And, and they saw people were chatting in other places and they bought WhatsApp and then they liked the idea of VR and they bought Oculus. <laughs> exactly. And, and what Facebook is doing 
Uh, for all the problems of Facebook, we're not going to into to that today, but for all the problems of Facebook, one thing they do very well is play this defensive strategy that you just outlined, that there's a, a, a popular thing going on, it's outside the Facebook universe, and it's in Facebook's best interest to bring that into the Facebook universe, right? Mm-hmm. So they've done it time and time again. I'm sure they'll do it again. I'm sure at some point next year or the year after, there'll be some big acquisition that they make. Maybe it's Twitter. Uh, oh, man. And they, because they want you to be on their platform, right? Because that's, that's how they monetize. That's how they stay in business. So CNN is doing that with, with Beam. And I think, I think what this is really about is the people behind Beam, uh, Nystat and Hackett and their team of people. And they're going to be making content, you know, f- through this new lens. And um, I, I just find it super interesting. I think it will be, my guess is it will be successful. Nystat has a huge audience. Um, and he's smart. Super smart. He, like, uh, m- when I look at this, I'm like, okay, what do I think they're doing here? I think what they're doing is like creating a website which will have video on it, right? But not just Casey Neistat video. Right, like they will create tools and stuff that they will try and bring creators over from YouTube into this system to create exclusive content. Right, that That's kind of how I look at what's going on here. That's what I think this is. And they're going to use maybe the Beam team to create the tools that are needed and then use the almost snake charming like ability of Casey Neistat <laughs> to bring people to the platform. I think it's very, very smart. And I think it's very smart on the part of CNN to not brand it as CNN kids. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you just right. go do your thing. We're the parent company, but you just go do your thing. Because they're never going to get people like me and you even to watch it if it's CNN branded. Because, like, I just don't care. But if it's this own little thing that just is fresh and young and, and fits the kind of the, the, the aesthetic that me and you will are gravitated towards... It makes perfect sense. Like I'm super excited to see what comes out of this. Right, and it's oh, there's people in the chat room are asking. You know, CNN tried this like citizen journalism thing big time a couple of years ago, where you know if you see some tragedy, you oh, they had an pull app, your iPhone right? out. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. yeah. It's like called iReporter or something. Um, I may have totally made that name up. CNN iReport. Yeah, yeah, you were right. Um, this seems like. Nystat and his group are going to be creating content for this new brand and maybe they're creating some tools as well it's different articles kind of say different things a little bit but I don't think this is like a deep dive back into that world and that's like a whole topic for another time but I think really what this is is CNN having a brand that uh, people are going to be you know, more likely to engage with. You know, people who see CNN is like the only time they see is when they're in a doctor's office or when they're at the airport uh, or, you know, they're stuck somewhere and it's on. They're, they're never there by their own free will. That's what they're trying to change. They're trying to make their content platform a destination. And uh, this is a pretty interesting way of going about that. And it's, um, I, I agree with you. I think it's a, a smart move on everyone's part. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Like, you know, we own, we're going to talk about the rest of the show, like we own a media company. Like that's really uh, what Relay is. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm always interested to see what happens in this industry yeah. as people try to make decisions and make moves and and try to, to realign. We see this with what um, AOL's been doing or what Verizon's been doing. Excuse me, they bought AOL. They're buying Yahoo still, I think, even after the crazy email thing. Like Verizon is trying to get into this business 
and they're going about it by buying these like existing, albeit dying, media companies and trying to like build something together. I don't think it's going to be successful, but it's an interesting case study on maybe how people do it. So um, I was a little surprised to read the story, honestly, but I think once I digested it, I think it makes uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. I knew something was coming just because I watch all of these videos. Like I could tell that an acquisition was in the wings. Because like, he just was kind of roughly mentioning things, and like, and I could feel that the vlog was cooling down as well. But I never would have predicted this. I would have expected like an Instagram or someone, you know, to yeah. just buy up Beam to get the talent. This is a unpredicted. Like I wouldn't have predicted a, a, a news company to buy them. But what I like about it is, as a fan of Casey Neistat's work, this acquisition doesn't hide him from the world. You know, like if a tech company bought him, yep. we may never see him again, right? Like he just gets swallowed up in inside of the organization. Yeah, if he get if he gets swallowed by yeah, Apple News team, he's gone. Exactly. And and he says he's going to still be doing his own videos. That his channel is not part of this. So I think if you're a fan of of what he does, then uh, there'll still be plenty of content. All right. So um, it is approaching the end of the year. Right, we're we're approaching the end of 2016, so we thought that considering it's just me and you on the show today, that we could do a uh, Relay FM Q and A. Um, I kind of consider this as like a state of Relay FM for the year, like a 2016 yeah. State of the Union type type dealio. So we're going to get into that for the rest of the episode today. But before we do, let me take a moment to uh, thank our second sponsor, a company I'm very excited about. It's a company called Away. Away creates amazing luggage made from the highest materials, highest quality materials around, while offering a lower price compared to other brands. And how do they do this? You've heard this before from a bunch of companies that we have. They cut out the middleman. They sell direct. You buy from their website. If you go to awaytravel.com slash connected, you can peruse Away's collection of suitcases, all made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance while still remaining lightweight. They have four sizes of suitcase, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large. Very simple names. You know exactly what you're getting. And they have nine fantastic colors that you can choose from. The interior of the Away suitcase features a patent-pending compression system, which is incredibly helpful if you're an overpacker like me. In the carry-on bag that I have, so they sent me a carry-on bag, uh, the compression system even includes an integrated laptop and iPad holder. So you know you usually have those straps that you clip over the clothes, right? This one has this like big kind of pad on top, which you can put an iPad into or a laptop into. So like it's the, the, the iPad kind of holder is built into the compression system, which then also suspends it in the middle of the case for impact resistance. Genius. All of their cases feature 360-degree spinner wheels. There's four of them. Once you go to four wheels in a suitcase, you can never go back. They have TSA combination locks. They have a removable washable laundry bag, which is awesome. Whenever I go to a hotel room, I grab a bag from like the, one of the dry cleaning bags from the, 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 the wardrobes, and I put my dirty clothes into there. Now I have a bag that's kind of hidden inside of my suitcase. Awesome. But the best, my single favorite feature of the Away suitcase, this is, I can't believe nobody's ever done this before. It has an integrated USB power brick. Both sides of the carry-on feature USB ports integrated into the suitcase, right on the top, underneath where the handle is, so you can charge your devices whilst traveling. Your phone, your tablet, your e-reader. If it's powered by USB, you're set. You'll never be without power again. There is a kind of a hilarious thing now where I charge my suitcase, but it means that when I travel, I have access to power always. Away believes in the quality of their products. They offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix it or replace it for life. 
They have a 100-day trial as well. They want you to live with it. They want you to travel with it. And if at any point you decide that case isn't for you, return it for a full refund, no question asked. They currently ship for free in the US and also ship to Canada, the UK, Germany, Sweden, and Australia. There is no better time than the holiday season to be getting an away case. They have a whole selection of stuff that's fantastic for gifts. They have two limited edition colors, snow and asphalt, for the holidays. And they have a couple of extra products that they're doing as well. They have a gift set, which includes a, a little toiletry case. So it's like a mini away suitcase. It has travel socks, a gift card, and Aesop's Jet Set toiletries kit in it. They're also introducing a passport holder and luggage tag set and a 100% baby alpaca travel blanket. This is way cozier than the blankets that you'll be finding on airplanes. They have a whole host of options, as I mentioned. Go check them out. To find out more, go to awaytravel.com connected. Use the code connected at checkout and you will get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com connected and the code connected for $20 off. I am super excited about this product. Go check them out. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. Man, integrated power into a suitcase. It's just genius. Awesome. It's genius. Pretty All good. right, so we got a ton of questions today. Um, so I'll start. First one comes from Thomas. Thomas asked, how much time is spent by each of you on creative work versus business work for Relay FM? Just starting my own creative company and game development. Interested to see how you carve up your time, Stephen. Uh, so I do fewer shows than you. So I think your answers are going to be different. For me, roughly, I'd probably say 70% of my Relay time is behind the scenes and only 30% are in shows and production. Uh, that's changing uh, a little bit, but I think that's kind of roughly where I am. And one thing I would say to Thomas is that this ratio for me has changed over time. When we were first starting, it was like 90% admin behind the scenes time, right? Because we have a lot of stuff you have to do kind of in that startup mode. And now that we have processes and things in place, uh, it's a little bit different. So I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but I do firmly believe that it will change over time over the course of your business. What about you? Uh, I, I kind of, rather than percentage, I don't know why I chose to do it this way, but like if I imagine I work for nine hours a day, which is not true. Yeah, uh, that'd be great I, if it was only nine hours a day. So good. Maybe you should just double these. Let's say if I worked for 18 hours a day, Yeah, I would say about eight to 10 of those hours was recording and editing and the rest is business related. So I would say it's roughly half and half, I think. And that is just because I, I, I do so many shows. Right, like right. so, I may you know I work long days for that reason, so I can fit everything in. Um, but that's how I like it, though. I wouldn't change it. It's not a complaint. I, I, I it really doesn't bother me in the slightest. Yep. Uh, Gannon asks, "How do you decide to create a new show? Do you seek out the hosts that match a topic, or do people pitch your ideas?" I think about ninety five percent of the time, I think looking at the shows that we have, it's usually people first mm-hmm. and topic second. So typically it's people will come to us or we have people that we're interested in talking to and we just talk through like, what ideas do you have? And then find an idea that works. And and I think it's, it's fair to say we like to be uh, involved in any way we can in helping shape the idea and kind of make it the, the best show that it can be. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's well said. Alexandre asked, how many minutes or hours do you need to work for one episode of a regular show? I don't know why, but Alexandre excluded Ungenius and Cortex from this. <laughs> I have an answer for both of those shows. So <laughs> so let's let's take Connected, for instance. What, what do you think the ratio is? I think it differs for the three of us, right? Yeah. So uh, 
I would say, on average, it's the same from all of my shows, actually, except for Ungenius and Cortex, funnily enough. So he did actually pick the right shows, but I did wonder why he did it. But for me, I would say it's around one, one and a half to two minutes of surrounding work for every minute recorded. And that's, that's typically right. because I edit as well as, like, so, you know, we all do the show planning uh, for all of the shows. Everybody's involved in the planning, which I would say is, you know, that, that can be like um, half of the time or maybe, you know, all the whole time of the show. And then the editing as well on the other end will add the kind of the same kind of ratio. So typically, mm-hmm. typically, say for a show like Connected, it's like a minute each side. So a minute of planning for every minute recorded and a minute of editing for every minute recorded. Yep. It's confusing, but that's the kind of the way I describe it. No, I think that makes sense. So, I mean, I think he picked Cortex because I think y'all talked about it on the show. The editing process is intense. Probably, for Cortex. Uh, I would say, I would say for Cortex, uh, we're cl- probably closer to ten minutes for every minute. I'm not even kidding. Like, if you yeah. consider the amount of time that we talk, uh, then the recording, then the editing, and then the production, the production of the YouTube, and then manage like kind of moderating and managing the Reddit. Like, it's a much, 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 much bigger job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ungenius, a show that you and I do about weird Wikipedia articles. Yes, it's mm-hmm. a real thing. Uh, I don't even know. It's Cortex levels of, of madness. Um, the editing process is very long on that show. If you've ever listened, I edit it extremely tightly. Uh, but Ungenius is actually completely scripted. Like I, We sit down and we pick a topic and I go off and I write six, seven, eight, nine pages um, that takes hours of writing, mm-hmm. hours of research. There has actually been, I think, w- maybe one instance where you wrote a joke for me, which was yep. amazing. I felt so fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's for a, t- a show that's 10 minutes long twice a month. <laughs> yep. uh, so Ungenius is probably the most lopsided thing I do, but um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's totally worth it. So The, th- the funny thing about Ungenius and the reason the un- – which maybe because that sounds weird, right, when you say Ungenius is scripted. There is a reason that Ungenius is scripted. You may or may not know if you've ever listened to the show. You should listen to the show because it's super short. Like you can easily fit it into your uh, into your queue. It's like 10, 10, 15 minutes in total every two weeks, and you learn really weird stuff. So you should go and check it out for sure. But we we did this show once before, me and you, many, many, did. many, many years ago. It was the first show that me and you ever worked on together. It was your idea. Uh, we created this show called Ungenius, and it wasn't very good. Um, there were some episodes that were great and there were some episodes that were horrific. So we decided we needed a more, a tighter show, right? We needed to make it tighter. We needed to do better research. We needed to plan it out better. So we did that. Then the first episode that we did still needed work, right? And it took way longer to edit. Um, and then we kind of fell on the idea of maybe we should just write it. So mm-hmm. we do that. So you write out a big script kind of thing, like bullet points. Then I go in and I add some stuff um, and or I, I change some of the stuff so it's so it's in my it's written in my style. You know, like, so I'll change some words. I'll change while to whilst, for example. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, I go in and do that and then we record the show. And yeah, it's funny because it's like, yeah, it takes probably the same kind of time, like the, maybe the, the five to 10 minutes per minute recorded for you to do. But luckily enough... It's an 11-minute show. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, if it's any longer, there's no way we could do it. So, But Ungenius is an example of how me and you believe in experimentation with Relay FM. Like, and, mm-hmm. and, and we try and foster this in a lot of the shows that, that are here and kind of try new things. And this is new in the way that we don't have any other show that's like this, that's like 
written out quite right. closely. And there are a lot of shows that exist this way that are written out. Like a lot of the NPR-style shows, or the mm-hmm. public radio-style shows, a lot of that is scripted stuff. Um, and so we tried it, and I think it's going really well. Agreed. Uh, All right, so who's reading this one? I've lost where we are. I think it's I think it's your turn. I think it is my time. Mm-hmm. My turn. Uh, Hawken, Hacken, Hawken, Hacken. Mm-hmm. Sorry, good work. Many apologies. Yep. Uh, the hardest thing about ingenious is pronouncing names. The hardest part about Q and A, pronouncing names. But the great thing about scripting the show is we can just change the lines, and I do most of the name pronunciation. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you were at the script, it would be different. Yep. Uh, are you trying to get more sponsors who are relevant to people outside of the U.S.? Mike, you're outside of the U.S., Yo. so I'm going to let you answer this. So, a few, there's, a, there's a few tangents for this. One, our audience as a whole is roughly 60% in the U.S., and then from there, it breaks into 10% chunks for uh, Canada and the United Kingdom, and then, on average, then it gets into single digits for the rest of the world. So I would love to have more companies that sell things worldwide. And that's something we're working on. I just spoke about Away. Away, they ship to a bunch of countries, not just the US, which is not normal for the types of companies that we have that sell physical products. Like a lot of those are just US-based. One of the reasons I was really excited about Away is that they ship to a bunch of different countries. The The problem we have is we can't really get a company that just ships in Europe. Right, like a company that just because they they are only going to hit like thirty percent relevance of our audience, and we're still going to charge them what it costs for an ad. Right, we can't discount an ad by sixty percent for that. So this is where some of the struggles happen. So we are working to find more companies that sell things worldwide, but our sponsors still have to have a strong U.S. focus for the reason of of kind of percentages. So we have to be fair to the companies, right? Like I, I can't get a UK company. Like sometimes I have companies from the UK contact me and I just outline it to them. It's like, if you don't ship to the US, I don't think that you're going to get what's worth your money for this. Right. Because they're only going to hit maybe 10 to 12% of an audience, which is probably not enough for them to, to make their return. So yes, it's something I'm working on. Look, you know it's got to be a struggle for me, right? Like I, there are a lot of stuff that I actually can't buy. Like Eero, for example, right? They're they're a great company. I really want their product, but I can't plug it into my wall. So that's <laughs> why, like, when it goes to the Eero ads, I'll throw over to Stephen or Jason because they have the product and they've used it. But yeah, it's it's frustrating, um, and I actually do know that Eero is trying to expand. That we have a bunch of companies like that. They're trying to expand, but uh, that that's kind of the way it is. It it does suck, but I tell you what, if you live in Europe, get your friends to listen to the show. Let's disrupt the totals, and then we can go crazy. It's <laughs> a good question. I hope that answers it. I know it's tricky. Um, I feel it. But there, there really is as well just more advertising money in the US. This is just a fact. Like The, the podcast market in general is bigger in the US, so the advertisers are there as well. It's economics, I'm afraid. Storm asked... Who created slash manages the Relay FM show notes system is truly best in class. It's the most convenient implementation I've seen so effective. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. So we have a custom content management system that we license and we ended up purchasing from the developer who wrote it. 
and we now develop it on our, uh, ourselves. And so everything you see is like designed and chosen purposefully and we're always working on it. We're mm-hmm. always pushing things to it. Most of those, you know, aren't seen by the public, although some are. Uh, so it's, yeah. So thank you. It's, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of going back and forth, trying to figure out how to do things in it. But, um, yeah, I agree. I think, I think we do a really, I think all of our hosts do a good job at putting yep. links in and putting content in there. And I know it's, it's frustrating to me if I listen to a show elsewhere and I go to find a link about something they're talking about and they don't have it yep. or they could get to their website or something. So it's not just a technology thing. It's also a mentality thing. You know, right. everybody here, we, we like to include like additional materials into the notes and it's just, it's just a way that we all operate. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, so thank you. That's something that we, we strive to work, uh, work hard on. Uh, man, the names. Munich. Keep getting them. Munich. Munich asks, when are you going to do the next London meetup? Probably in June again before WWDC. Um, we had a great time last time when Federico came over. Um, I'm probably going to wait to do it then because it, it's, it was a lot of work to try and get that thing organized. So um, hopefully we're going to do it all again in June um, if Federico comes to London again like he did. So that would be a lot of fun. And then, you know, it's not just London, though. Um, let me think. What are we going to be doing? We're doing, hopefully, Atlanta for mm-hmm. the pen show. Um, should be going to D.C. for the D.C. pen show as well, which is in August. Mm-hmm. So I'll be doing some stuff there. We're doing some meetups there. San Francisco again. Right, that's on yep. the that's on the cards. We're going to try and do a relay con San Francisco, um, and then there'll be some London meetups. So we're trying to expand it. Um, it's it's really difficult um, to arrange these sorts of things, especially to do them right. I mean, I could show up in a in a bar and just say, "Hey, come to the bar," but I don't like to do that. We like to try right. and arrange <laughs> it with the locations and make sure that there's people there, like from a security perspective, and and you know just to make sure that everybody's safe and having fun um, and that it's all correctly arranged. So uh, we're trying to we're trying to do more of those things, mainly because I love I love meetups. I love them. To get to meet people and say hi and to be able to walk into a room and see actual people uh, and they all listen to your show is one of the best feelings in the entire world. Um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we're trying to do more of them and uh, I think over the coming years... We'll we'll do more and more as, as more things get on the get on the kind of the schedule as it were. Cool. All right. This so yeah, next up, Farzan. Farzan said, "Not a question. Uh, just wanted to say thank you. I couldn't imagine how much work it would take to manage a podcast network. Uh, all of the work, <laughs> but it's thank you. All the great work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot uh, of work, but it's a lot of fun work. Yeah." Uh, Jonathan asks, how long did it take to make relationships with your new co-hosts and build up Relay FM? How do you reach out to people? Um, I think, really, it's been a gradual process of working alongside and getting to know people uh, online in our little bubble over the last kind of five to six years. You know, I, I look at most of the people that are a part of Relay FM and... I've known them for a long time, interacted with them for a long time. Um, and I think it's for both of us, like the relationships that we built with people over many years of of, of working and, and producing content um, built a level of trust, I hope, that made these people want to come to us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long time. You know, uh, you and I have been doing this a long time. We've been working in this space for like six years 
I've been riding even longer than that. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's not an overnight thing. I know Relay is only two, well now two and a half years old, but uh, the groundwork and everything that went into that, to, we 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 had a running start into it, and uh, it takes it takes time. You know, I think something that people like don't realize when they're starting out or starting something new is that you just you have to give it space, you have to give it time uh, to grow, and that can be really frustrating, right? We we worked for a long time with no one knowing who we were, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. and not making any money. But it, it it gets there. You just have to you have to have patience. You have to have trust. You have to to let it happen organically. If you try to force it, then it can be weird and, and not work. We have a couple of questions coming in from the chat room. Uh, Milad asks, uh, "I know you are not seemingly interested in doing video podcasts anytime, but do you have plans to publish video snippets of each episode?" Not really. Honestly, um, we put Cortex on YouTube because it, it makes sense to put Cortex on YouTube because uh, Gray has a large YouTube presence. Uh, outside of that, I'm honestly not convinced that it's worth the amount of time that it would take. Do you, yep. do, do you agree with that? I, I agree with time and investment that video is... We, we both know it from, from our own YouTube stuff personally that... Video is expensive and time consuming, and and the reality is, podcasts. Like I'm sitting in my office, I'm wearing headphones. I have a curtain behind me. Like it, it doesn't make for compelling video. No. So I think if we right now, you and I are exploring YouTube independently. Mm-hmm. But if if we were ever to do something on YouTube together as Relay, it would not be this. It no. would be something else, some other type of format, some other sort of content. We have the idea of doing something, right? We don't have an idea, but like we've, we have definitely said like if something comes up, we would do it like a, a, a Relay FM YouTube project. We just don't have any really compelling ideas, I think, for right now. Yeah. And yep. Will asked, what was the first Relay FM episode? I can't even remember. So, and then uh, RHO in the chat room dug up the uh, web archive so you can go and take a look yourself <laughs> but I'll put it in the show notes we did um, which I think our launch went really well uh, it did and in a way that I think we didn't necessarily expect but I think hopefully what it shows is that we knew what we were doing at the time uh, we had five shows and the first episode of all of those shows we published on launch day so all simultaneously and we had uh, I interviewed Marco um, and it, we were talking about like overcast and his kind of place in the world at that point we did mm-hmm. a special of connected about the origin and evolution of the ipod mm-hmm. um the pen addict we just did episode 116 <laughs> <laughs> we just came back <laughs> and just did a show because we're taking a break um the first episode of virtual which was the video game show which became remaster um me and Federico spoke about our experiences with the, I think, newly released PS4. And then the first episode of Analog, which was the first truly new show like that hadn't mm-hmm. been rebranded in any way. We did the first episode of a new show where me and Casey introduced what Analog would be to the world. Man, <laughs> like this this uh, archive.org link is uh, it's just crazy how small things were. Yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago. August 2014. It- it was. Um, the next question kind of fits in with that question from Eddie. Uh, there are so many great relay shows. I try to keep up with too many. How do I decide what to listen to? So my uh, recommendation for this would be go to our homepage because we put the descriptions on the homepage. If you want to find something new, take a look at 
what interests you episode wise, like what topics they're talking about, and just press play. Just hit the link and go press play. You can listen to them right on the website if you want, or you can go to our app. You can download our app from the uh, the iTunes store, and it's the same. We've got the descriptions right there, and you can just press play and just try some stuff. Yeah, and um, and we're we're working on ways on the website to make it um, kind of easier to explore things. So yeah. uh, I would say keep keep your eyes open for that. One thing we're, we're talking about is if you're listening to Connected, having a way to surface other shows kind of about similar topics. And so mm-hmm. we're we're thinking and working on some ways to kind of make that uh, make that easier. And I would add that iTunes reviews are a good tool as well. If you're interested in a show, see what people on uh, iTunes have to say. If you listen to some shows, uh, this will be my every once in a while plug to go review them on iTunes. It takes yeah, a couple never minutes ask. and it really is helpful. <laughs> we never ask. Yeah. Go and review your favorite Relay FM shows on iTunes. It, it actually does help. It helps people find the shows. It totally does. Um, so yeah, so there's a bunch of good ways and uh, you can always ask recommendations. You know, if you if you are uh, interested, ask us on Twitter or email us and maybe we can point you in the right direction. Friend of the show, Jonas, asked, do you have a dream guest or host for your shows? Um, and I will just throw out two people that I am very interested in. Uh, Casey Neistat, who we already spoke about, and MKBHD. They're white whales. I don't think anything will... Actually, I know nothing will ever come of that, but a man can dream. What about Casey Liss? He'd that guy, fun. right? Yeah, he'd be a good one. He would be great. We should We should send him an email. I think he'd be really good. Kathy asks, what has been the most exciting surprise that came out this year that you no longer have to keep hitting? You should say it first because I agree with yours, and but I drill down a little bit. Uh, I would say RelayCon in San Francisco. We we worked very hard on that for a very long time. Like close to a year. Yeah, and it was like I was on phone calls with people in San Francisco like multiple times a week at one point, and it was, it was a lot of work. And it was expensive, and we had no idea if we were going to make the money back. <laughs> <laughs> it was super expensive uh and we put the tickets up for sale and we sold out and had a huge waiting list mm-hmm. and it was just the most amazing feeling i've had of of seeing something that we worked so hard on be successful so so i agree with that like the relay con thing was great and announcing relay con was awesome but we had like layers like relay con was a light a tiered level of surprise event um, mm-hmm. And uh, when we, when I introduced Gray onto stage, that was pretty awesome. I don't think anybody. I mean, people could have maybe guessed that we would do a live event one day. I don't think anybody would have guessed that we would have been able to convince Gray to come out for it. Right. So that was that was really awesome. Uh, I have no idea what RelayCon will look like next year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> somebody asked me this the other day, and I was like, nope, I have no idea. So. Uh, we've got some time to think about that. Um, yeah, I have, I have no, I have none. I have zero ideas. If you have ideas, please give me them. <laughs> I, I need them. <laughs> All right, we have a bunch more questions uh, as well. If you're in the chat room and you have any questions, uh, please send them in. Uh, whilst maybe Stephen can look at some of those, I'll take a moment to thank our friends over at Mail Route for supporting this week's episode. You know who should handle your email security and delivery. People who do only that. People you can trust. Someone like MailRoute. All the big companies that have been handling email protection are bowing out. Because, frankly, 
it's a really hard job. Postini went away. McAfee and MX Logic have just decided they're not going to do it anymore. Even Google have said that they would prefer it if you use a gateway service like MailRoute so they don't have to filter your Google Apps email anymore. So who can you trust to do the job properly and still be around? MailRoute, the company that has been focused entirely on email security since 1997. Kids, that's a long time. MailRoute protects your email and hardware against spam, viruses, and other threats, and they deliver your mail even when your mail server cannot. That is a thing called mailbagging. There's no hardware or software to install. If you own your domain, that's all you need to use MailRoute. Their interface is easy to navigate and loaded with admin tools, including an API, and it's all designed to make your life better. No spam, no viruses, no bounced bounced mail. Whether you're a small home business or a huge ISP, MailRoute handles customers of all sizes. They can take care of you and they provide the same level of outstanding support to everyone. MailRoute protects your email from spam and viruses and guarantees mail access during outages. That is it. That's all they do, and frankly, they do it better than anybody else, and they've been doing it for longer. Stop spam today. Sign up for a 30-day trial at MailRoute.net slash connected. And because you're a listener of this show, you'll get 10% off for the lifetime of your account. Thank you so much to MailRoute for their continued support of this show and Relay FM, and for letting me say mailbagging as much as I like. Mailbagging. Mailbagging is the best word. It is the best word. Brendan asked, when will you make an official RelayFM subreddit? So we do hold r slash RelayFM, but at this point we really can't manage another social platform. For a while we had like an IFTTTTTT putting new episodes in there, but we didn't feel like that was the right way to handle it and there's not really bandwidth to manage it at this point. So I get, I get uh, like the one time a month login to Reddit, there's always people trying to get into it. Um, I understand that we will do something, but we haven't uh, really found what the right answer is yet. So I'm kind of just holding it, which maybe that's not good reticate, but uh, too bad. Oh, I've never heard that word before. Is that a thing? Uh, it is an r slash Apple, which is run by some of the most uh, iron fisted mods. Reticate. Okay. Reticate. Yeah, it's. To, to really do it well, it takes you being in there. Right. And that's and, a and lot. And we would want, like, the host to be in there, right? Like, so if someone's talking about the pen ad, we want Brad to be there. And, like, we just can't promise that. So. No, so we don't do it. It's the same reason why we don't have something like a Slack. It's it's asking a lot from a moderation perspective, and it's asking a lot um, for all of our hosts to be actively involved. We have a lot of people. Yep. Ed wants to know, what's your favorite episode of a Relay show that you were not on? Hmm. Uh, I would probably say uh, almost anything free agents. Uh, I know it's not maybe like the most um, fun, exciting. Uh, it's definitely not hey. as funny as your choice. <laughs> but um, yep. but I love free agents and uh, I love what they talk about. So I really wish I was part of that show. What about you? So one of my favorite Relay FM shows is Top 4 because Top 4 is unlike any show I listen to. And my favorite thing about Top 4 is the continued 
layering of new and exciting experimental things that the armets decide to do. Mm-hmm. It feels like they just continue to get more and more, um, I can't think of the word, like ambitious. And one of my favorite episodes of this was the pizza toppings episode, because not only did they get all of the pizza and eat it, they then went to interview their local pizza guy um, to talk about the pizza. I, this was a, just a really funny and well put together episode. So I would say top four, episode 14, pizza toppings. It's good. It's good. It's a good choice. Uh, Brian asks, what weird merchandise have you considered putting on sale? So I want to sell everything. Mm. Um, I want to do mugs. I want to do hats. I want to do patches. I want to do badges. Uh, I want to do like wall decals. I want to do. I want to do everything. I want to sell everything. But logistics are horrific. They are, and merchandise is expensive yep. to do it right. Uh, Markintosh in the chat room asked, you know, have you thought about putting Relay graphics on something like Cafe Press, so people can kind of apply it to different things. Um, we have a problem with this, uh, which is a, a problem that both me and Stephen have, which is caring maybe a little bit too much about quality. Yes, and so if, two things. Uh, one, some sites I won't say who don't do that good of a job, and so we yep. don't want our stuff to be on it. Uh, but two, our logo has transparency in it, which makes it extremely difficult to print and to screen on the thing. So we have, yep. if you look on our t-shirts, we have an alternative version. Um, and also that, our show artwork is complex. Yeah, it's it's super complicated. So when we put something out, we have to work like directly with whoever's printing it most of the time. The current Relay shirts are much a much simpler version, so we could print them. Um, and it's just it's just hard, and it's it's a lot of money to put up front, and it takes a lot of time to make that money back. And it's just something that, like, we we have a store. Like, we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, we actually have a sale right now, if you're listening. Oh, yeah. um, what's the what's the uh, coupon code? I'm looking it up. Give me a second. Yep. Who um, knows, right? <laughs> Who would know that? Nobody. Uh, Nobody I would know that. Yep. I just have to find it. I'm just vamping for you right now while you find it. Uh, tell some jokes. Uh, Relay knock, 16. Knock. Okay. Relay 16 is the current. 16% off everything in the store. So we currently um, have the new logo shirt, the longer one. We have a limited supply of the old logo shirt. We have the Relay FM stickers, and we have the badges, and we also have the artwork sticker, which I loved so much, the design. I got it tattooed on my body. Yep. And it's the same size. So if you want to pretend to be me, you can buy the sticker and stick it on your arm. Yep. The the pins, the buttons are really underrated. They're super pins. nice. Um, yeah, just so you know, it sounds like he says pens when he says that. We aren't selling pens. Uh, that Oh, that's another thing. I want to sell buttons. pens. I know. Uh, I want to sell pens real bad. Um, and that's one thing that uh, we might do one day. Out of everything, that's one thing we might do. Yeah, so it's... um. Yeah, it's a good question about merchandise. Um, yeah, it's it's a complicated world. Yeah, I really uh, wish we could do more of it because I love it. Like I like to own things with our logos and artwork on them. It's one of the reasons why we do an obscene amount of t-shirts. I like to have this stuff, uh, but it's really hard to do more than t-shirts, honestly. Yeah, it is. Um, Kate asks, and I love this question, since you quit your jobs, how has it been different from what you were expecting? Um, this is the exact topic of the talk I gave at Release Notes back in September. And uh, I will share that talk when they get it posted. And 
basically for me, like it's been super rewarding professionally, but personally a lot harder than I expected. Like for, for me, it's really hard to find a healthy work-life balance. Um, I had a lot of like preconceived notions of what it would be like that just aren't true. Um, or at least aren't true by default. Like you can work for them. So things like seeing your family more, things like having, you know, greater like financial freedom, things like having, you know, greater a- flexibility in hours. Like all that is possible, but you have to really work for it. It's not mm-hmm. given to you the second you uh, walk out of your day job. And so for me, my first year has really been or was really like adjusting to that and trying to put things in place so I can have better work-life balance in these things. And uh, so far, those things are working really well. And there's more to, to do. Um, but for me, it's just like, it's not a cakewalk. And I thought that there would be some things that would be easier than they were. But definitely still worth it. Definitely super rewarding professionally. And Relay wouldn't be the company it is today without both of us in it full time. So it's a good question. Uh, what about you, Mike? So I've been thinking about this. And... One of the things for me was I, sp- I I did it so quickly, I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about it practically. Mm-hmm. All I had was dreams, like the dream scenario. And that is what it is. The dream scenario is that I don't have a job that makes me sad anymore and I get to do what I love. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of it. And, and, I, and it's, that's, that's it. Like, so I'm happy with that. Um, there, you know, then, then there are things that just change. Just things just change as time goes on, um, and uh, one one of the things for me was just like realizing recently realizing that I didn't have a creative side project, which was weird. And then mm-hmm. I, you know, it was like, oh, but now I do my creative side projects as my job, which is podcasting. Right. So that's why I started the YouTube thing. So it just helps me have another creative outlet. Um, that was that was a funny thing realizing that like when your side project becomes your job people that had side projects before still need a side project (laughs) and i didn't expect that but uh funnily enough i still need that 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 side project outlet to help me with the other stuff and very yeah i think i think that's uh i think that's good um neil asked if you could go back in time to when you were starting relay what advice would you give yourself or what would you do differently um, I would say it's, it's very much related to my, my answer a second ago that you need to like give it time and you need to trust your decision making. So, uh, I, I think I'm like this more than you are maybe where I like, I will second guess things or I'll come back to a decision that we made and, and question it again. And that is a healthy thing to do, uh, to a degree, but sometimes I turn into this like ball of anxiety over it. And what I've had to learn is that like we set up processes, we've set up things in our business and that, that they work really well. They're efficient. Uh, they are clear. They are easy to manage. And if something is working, um, I need to trust that and let it do its thing. Let the process, you know, let the job take care of itself and, Uh, focus in other areas. And so that's something that I've really had to learn. It's something that I would definitely have told myself two years ago, two and a half years ago, you know, Hey, once you make a decision and you move forward from it and it's working, then, um, let it do its thing. So I think for me, uh, things feel good right now. 
Um, the business is good. Things are trending up. We're, we're doing well. So I wouldn't do anything differently because anything that I've considered a mistake, we've made mistakes. We've done things that we wouldn't do again, but we can only know about those and get to where we are because it happened. Right? It's the butterfly effect type thing. If we didn't, if we went <laughs> back and if I said to people, don't sign that contract, you know, then maybe we wouldn't be where we are right now. So I think I think it's all for the best. All right, and our last question is from Stuart. And Stuart asks, what was it like when you first reached out to somebody besides the two of us for a show um, or accepted somebody? Like, what was it? Can, can we give any kind of examples of that kind of feeling? So uh, I think that mostly, you know, similar to like the, the answer to the question earlier about how shows are made, most of the time, people contact us um, as opposed to us contacting people, you know, and, and then we talk about shows together. And I think the two that stand out for me the most would be Jason Snell, because mm-hmm. Jason took a chance on us incredibly early. We had been around for like a month when Jason contacted about upgrading Clockwise. So that was a huge validation for us at that point when somebody with the reputation like Jason would come and say, "We, I want to work with you guys on part of my new self-employed business. That was, that mm-hmm. was huge. Uh, and then when Merlin Mann and John Syracuse came to us to say that they wanted to do a show together and they wanted it to be on Relay, that was kind of like a dream come true moment, I think. Totally. Totally agree. Um and it's, you know, it's fun. I mean, and we, I mean, they're sort of like the well-known examples, but for me, like anytime somebody wants to do something with us, I find it humbling that they, that they want to ha- have Relay be the home for their thing. And we have to turn down a lot of people. We have to turn down a lot of pitches, but in those conversations, that's always something I try to say of like, you know, thank you for considering what we've built a, a good place for your project to be. So, um, I find it amazing and, and humbling and it's, um, it's a really been a fun adventure to get to know a bunch of people. I mean, not only people like Jason and Merlin, who John, who people know, um, but bringing new voices into the industry, you know, helping people develop their first shows. Um, all of that is great. All of that is fun. All of that is challenging. And it's something that um, just doesn't get old for me. No. And I guess if we're looking at 2017, um, what are we going to do? Who knows? Uh, but we've got some, we actually have some ideas and some things we're working through right now, um, and I think they're very exciting. And we're you know if you, if you go back and listen to our uh, Q and A that we did in August for our birthday, we spoke about <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, diver- you spoke. I was I spoke. super sick. <laughs> yeah, you were super sick. Uh, you were just nodding. Uh, we spoke about uh, diversity of people and diversity of topics. We we I think we've um, we've shown that so far some of the shows that we've had launched since then that we are moving more towards that and for the projects that we are very early in discussing that continues to be a a key driving factor Um, relay fm is a technology focused network but i think something that you coined which i I really like is that we are uh, moving towards a world of being technology adjacent as well as Mm -hmm. focused which i i really like that um, so we're going to keep moving towards there and we're going to keep trying to unearth uh, new people and working with people that you may know 
to make great shows. So that's kind of where we are. That's where we're going. Sounds good. Let's do it. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Connected. Uh, next week, we should be back to normal. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Federico is out there in the ether. He's fine. Um, he just, uh, him and Stephen just had a really bad falling out. So hopefully we can, I can build bridges, uh, amend relationships before next week's episode. Um, we'll have to wait and see. If you want to find our show notes, go to relay.fm slash connected slash 119. You can find Federico online at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can tweet at him and say, forgive Stephen. Um, And the more people that tweet to Federico and say, forgive Stephen, uh, the more likelihood we will have of getting the gang back together next week to create another episode of the world's greatest podcast you can find steven online he is at ismh on twitter and he's at 512pixels.net federico's also at maxstories.net i am at imike i-m-y-k-e thanks again to foot cardigan away and mailroute for supporting this week's show thank you all for listening thank you for everybody that answered questions we'll be back next time until then say goodbye steven adios